Simon Eddy Hearn has acknowledged. What? He's been dropped. No, don't be dropped. Okay, how many times? If everybody leave the room and me and you stay there now, I would walk out. And you won't. That's why I see you're a talker. They can never lose the WBC title no matter what way fights they go to. Huh? Unless they lose it, they can't lose. If they win the fight, they can become undisputed, but they can never that's, lose the that's fight. Oh, no, no, no. We got to talk to Al. Top rank got some shit going on. Matter of fact, boxing on well, some bullshit. It's top. They call me the problem, but you could call me the can man because anybody can get Africans, Americans, Dominicans, Mexicans. Anybody can get Do you know one of the questions I've had most in the last couple of weeks is why is boxing so bad now and how can I get excited about boxing? And I'm struggling to answer it. I think I can answer how boxing's ended up in this position. And to do that, I always go back to Floyd and Manny and the fact that they never released the money back into the sport. And that's, through, that's no fault of theirs. It was... Promoters had hitched their wagons so much to Floyd and Manny in terms of just making money year on year that they'd never thought about what comes afterwards. They'd never thought about where does the torch go after this. I put Vladimir Klitschko in that camp as well. There was never a thought as to when's the cash out fight. You know, Vlad did his probably a year and a half too late when he cashed out to Joshua. But by then Fury had taken most of the shine off Vladimir anyway. Floyd never did. Floyd left, came back when he wanted, left again. Manny lost to Jeff Horn in that kind of crucial time. He lost to Jeff Horn, and Horn was never good enough to carry that load of being the guy that beat Pacquiao. And so the money left. Then Manny came back, and the money went straight back into Pacquiao. And when you look at that and you say, why, why weren't they investing in the future? And the answer is very simple. Promoters don't care about the future. They pretend they do until it comes time to invest. And you can see that, and I'll come on to it later, but I want to focus more on the high level because that's really what fans engage with. And you've got to come back to 2017, the year that scared boxing. Between PBC, um, top rank to an extent, and Matchroom to a lesser extent, they've put on so many good fights that were pretty much free to wear. That they gave us a lot of content for free that they couldn't really monetize. But that's not their biggest crime. Their biggest crime was they were never able to build on those fights. They were never able to, to elevate them because I think July 2017 is when Manny lost to um, Jeff Horn. And then a month later, Floyd fought Conor McGregor. So... In the summer of 2017, a lot of money was moving around. Fans wanted to consume boxing. But there wasn't anything that came after those two fights. There wasn't anything that was unbelievably epic. That was the same time I think you had Frampton Santa Cruz won as well. So boxing was absolutely buzzing at that point. And that was all of the heels of Joshua V. Klitschko. We haven't had a year like it since. We haven't come close. And... Despite all of these great fights happening and all of those eyes that were on screens in 2017, we haven't been able to create stars off that. The legacy didn't live on. And so let's just pause for a second. Let's have a, 
let's have a sense of context and let's have a, a realistic view on the next 12 months in boxing. If Manny Pacquiao were to beat Errol Spence in their upcoming fight, I think it's in August, be absolutely clear about this. If Manny Pacquiao were to defeat Errol Spence, the biggest fight in boxing is Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather 2. Won't even be for the belts. It doesn't have to be for the belts. It will just be those two going at it. In 2022, the biggest fight in boxing is going to be a 45-year-old Floyd Mayweather against a 44-year-old Manny Pacquiao. The, the guys who are supposed to elevate the next generation are still the biggest stars of the generation they were meant to elevate. So why is that? So number one, most importantly, none of them have been good enough to dethrone these guys. Not Broner, not Thurman, not Matisse. Manny's dealt with them all relatively easily. Layoffs comes back, layoffs come... I mean, Mayweather, you look at what Floyd's doing with his exhibition and you get the feeling he's sandbagging this. Mayweather still runs, he still trains, he's still about 153 pounds. He only has to drop, what, half a stone? To make welterweight. So when people say he looked old against Logan Paul, of course, that's what he wants you to believe. Mayweather, for a Pacquiao fight, would find the old Floyd. There'd be no USADA, there'd be no Vada for this. And as fans, I don't even think we would want it. We would just want that fight to happen because that would give us that big fight feeling we haven't had in a long time. We thought we were going to get it with Fury versus whoever. Joshua Wilder, we're not going to get it. We thought Joshua was going to bring us those nights consistently and we realized that Hearn sold us a dream he never planned on delivering. Never. So I'll come back to it. In 2022, the potential biggest fight could be Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. And you'd pay for it. And you'd pay for it because it ticks every box. Two all-time greats going at it. There's a backstory but between them that they've never quite resolved. And it's been far enough now that the, the story about the bad shoulder, the, the calf cramps and this, that. We're now prepared to give it some airtime because, you know, time has passed. So it's like, oh, okay. And now we've seen Manny box as well. So we're thinking, okay, Pacquiao's got the edge here. He's, he's battle-hardened. He's done this. He's done that. So you can see the camp splitting along, along, along those lines. And... When you see Cam splitting like that, there's money. Floyd knows it. Manny knows it. And my theory has always been this is what Pacquiao was always after. If I can beat all of these young guys, Floyd has every reason to fight me. Because if he's confident he beat me the first time and he's confident he'll beat me again, he'll take this fight. And that's Manny's cash out fight. And then Manny's done with the sport. I think that's what it is. And if he can't beat Spence, I think you'll see Pacquiao retire. But I think in Manny's head, the Mayweather fight is more important to him than any other opponent. So here's the paradox about boxing. You can't really build stars. Right? They, they arrive in the sport as stars. And it's the job of a manager and a promoter to maximize that star power. It's why the Joshua experiment never worked. Because Joshua's a, a hell of a boxer. Like, he's achieved so much in such a short space of time. But what he's not is a star. 
you're not drawn to Anthony Joshua. You don't necessarily want to hear him talk. But I contrast it with someone like Deontay Wilder, who is a star. And you don't have to manufacture Deontay Wilder. Now, if he wasn't a, a former world champion, if he wasn't one of the best heavyweights of his generation, you'd still want to hear him speak. If you just knew him down the pub or if you worked with him, you'd want to hear him speak because he's engaging. He's got that star power. Fury's got it to an extent, but you also feel it's a bit forced sometimes. And I think that's why he struggles at the top. And that's why he probably struggles with the adulation, the attention and the accountability that comes with being a star. He hasn't got the broadest of shoulders in that respect. And so the mistake people made was they looked at Floyd and they looked at Manny and they looked at it from the they looked at it from from today and worked backwards. So they tried to reverse engineer what the formula for success was. But what I've learned now, now that Floyd's a bit more open about, you know, his his journey and his story, and I'll probably do an episode on that, is Floyd had the belief that he was the best in the business, that he would be a star. But it wasn't a straight line. And the mistake guys are making now is they're trying to make it a straight line. So if you look at what Eddie did with Joshua, they tried to make it a straight line. And the public weren't buying it because we're like, where are the bumps in the road? It wasn't until the Ruiz fight in New York when we saw what I'd call the real Joshua, that perception changed. And you became even more of a fan because he didn't go missing. He held his hands up and he said, I just want my rematch. He got his rematch, he got his win and he moved on. But that doesn't make him a star, that just makes him a damn good boxer. And so what Hearner seemed, seemed to try and do is manufacture these stars. And Everything that the X Factor taught us is it's not sustainable. Uh, what was the X Factor? Britain's Got Talent, The Voice, um, all of these programs show you. A good friend of mine, Sasha Pottinger, was she was on The Voice. She's a hell of a singer. She got down to the last three in her season. Amazing singer, amazing character, amazing personality. Never wanted to be a star. Wanted to be a singer, wanted to be a damn good singer, never wanted to be a star. But there are other people who love waking up at 5am and getting flogged for 14, 15 hours a day because they just want to be a star. You know, you see a lot of that on reality TV where people prostrate themselves just to be a star. So this comes back to the question of why are we struggling to get excited about boxing in 2022? The truth is... Too many promoters have tried too hard to manufacture stars. So they've given us a subpar product. Because the people who are really stars aren't getting the opportunity. You know, people who are really stars in boxing, as an example, Adrian Brown is an example. Whatever Brown, you look at Brown, I don't know when the last time Broner boxed was. But his Instagram views, everything about him, his engagement scores are still pretty high. Because people want to know what AB's doing. He's a star. Floyd Mayweather is a star. It's, you, you can't explain it. When, when, when you see these guys go live, you care. You have an interest in it. 
and I can't think of many British guys, AJ to an extent, but I think people follow AJ to go, what's happening with the fights we want to see? No one really cares what he does in the day-to-day -day life because it's not that interesting. And that's not a bad thing, actually. It's kind of what keeps him grounded. And it's kind of what's kept him level-headed while all around him have started to lose their heads. So it comes back to this point. I don't believe you can manufacture stardom. It comes from the unlikeliest of places. I'm going to give you an example of this. So on the weekend that Manny Pacquiao fought Jeff Horn and unfortunately lost, some people say it was robbed. Matchroom had a show. And it was kind of their... Next Gen Plus. It was a beefed up version of Next Gen. It was headed by Bullioni versus Ricky Summers. Like, God, who agreed to that fight? <laughs> God. You know, like, that just points to you the dark days of British boxing. So, you know, people, you know, let's not hark back to the old days because they were terrible too. But what was interesting about that card was who was on the card. And I can't remember everyone off the top of my head. So if I forget people, forgive me. But Ted Cheeseman was on there. And I want to add, all of these guys are under 10 fights. Ted Cheeseman was on there. Okoli was on there. Chamberlain was on there. Boatsy was making his debut there. God, has he been a pro that long? Craig Richards was on there. Reese Bellotti and so forth. You get the idea of who was on, on that roster, right? For that night, that was essentially Eddie Hearn saying, this is who I'm going into battle with. That was a real state. That that was, here are my guys. Right? Just pause for a second. Think about the esteem those names were held in in 2017. Go back and look at the tweets from 2017. Actually, throw in Connor Ben. He was in there as well. So when you look at that list and you look at people and you fast forward four years, there's no legit star in there. There isn't. Lawrence is probably the guy leading the pack and that's because he's a world champion and not only that but he's done so much outside of boxing the music the book you know the the tv appearances Lawrence is really he's tried for that stardom thing that's what he wants he wants to be a star it just doesn't look like there's a machine behind him and that's one of the missing pieces then you look at spider I think spider's probably as real a boxer as you can get, will fight anyone. Never heard of him ducking anyone. Never heard of Craig being buzzed in a fight, being hurt, being wobbled, being dropped. You don't hear that about Craig Richards. Don't hear about Craig Richards getting injured. Don't hear about Craig Richards missing training. He's a consummate professional. He's the guy that, if you were being realistic as a fan, you'd want to push him to the front and say, do you know what? You might need to lead the charge because you set that tone. Who else in Craig Richards' position would say, I want the Bivol fight? Not, not, not Craig. Would you like the Bivol fight? No. Eddie, I want that Bivol fight. Get it for me. You fight Bivol, it goes the distance, you don't win. What's your next move? Eddie, who else can you get for me who's that big? I'll fight Badu Jack. I'll fight Jean Pascal. I'll fight anyone. Pascal can take whatever he wants. I'll still fight him. This is the same guy they made fight Frank Bullioni at 175. Remember that. And the thing I found really interesting about that was I'd spoken to Craig before this 
and Craig was cutting down for a fight at 168. And I was like, what are you weighing now? And Craig was like, I'm about 174. I think I'll make 168 easily. And then he got the Bullioni fight. So he ate his way up to 175, where Frank dieted down to 175. And he still gave a good account of himself. And had he known how hollow Frank's resume was, I think Craig would have gone after him and beaten him. I'm, I think if Craig were to do that fight again, he'd be more aggressive and he'd go after him. But Craig's as real as they come, but instead the light heavyweight energy goes to Joshua Boatsy. And I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it. Because you get what you, I mean, you get what you take, right? But tell me this. What fight has Joshua Boatsy had that Craig wouldn't take and that Craig wouldn't win? Put him in with Craig. Craig Craig's more than happy. You know, Craig doesn't fear anyone. But the money's going in the wrong place. Like every time you hear Hearn and Hearn tries to sell us Joshua Boatze, and I'm a bit like, that's an Olympic bronze medalist, highly educated guy, really articulate, can fight as well. Be clear about this. Josh can fight. That should sell itself. So why doesn't it sell itself? We haven't seen him take a single risk yet. And then you contrast that lack of a risk-taking approach with someone like Isaac. And Isaac becomes the people's champion because much like Craig, He's willing to put himself on the line. You know, maybe a bit less like Craig in the sense that Isaac doesn't mind courting social media. I think Craig's more of a, a small circle, small world sort of guy. Whereas Isaac's more around, I want that bigger picture. I want to be known on every continent. And, so, and I, I respect that about him. It's one of the things that makes him interesting and compelling because he is incredibly compelling as a person, in person and all that sort of stuff. And then you look at the, the figures like Ted, and Ted will never have the career we thought he'd have, but he'll still have a good career because at the end of the day, Ted can box. Reese Bellotti, I think, is, is the Jimmy Mack curse. That's what I can call it. That's the Jimmy Mack curse. Another guy to look at is Conor Ben. Conor Ben, they're still trying to build into a star. And I think everything Eddie does for Conor sets him back. But everything Conor does in the ring pushes him forward everything Conor Ben does in the ring pushes him forward because there's a guy we know will fight and you'll have to carry him out the ring and as fans that's what we like but he's also got to take a risk these guys are too afraid to lose but look at Craig's career the respect Craig has even at times when he's lost we've understood mate most people wouldn't have taken that fight you did and you gave a good account of yourself. We still haven't seen Conor Ben do that. I think if you do that, that's how you build a star. This idea that you need a belt around your waist to be a star is not true. You know, Nigel Ben didn't need a belt to be a star. But this also comes back to one of the, the challenges modern boxing has. So you see, in the old days, how you build a star was you'd find someone who could really fight, okay? You would just keep it British for now. Maybe a Commonwealth Games champion, kid who'd maybe been to the Olympics, like a Richie Woodall. Take a Richie Woodall. And your promoter, your manager would, would wrap the media around you, make sure the right sound bites went out into the right outlets, Boxing News and Boxing Monthly, whatever. They'd arrange the sponsors for you, and they'd do all of these things with a carefully crafted plan. They'd know where you needed to be after four fights, after five fights. 
and they were willing to invest all of this time and money because they knew that when you fought for the world title, they'd make their money back. So a lot of times Xboxes, and I hear this now from a lot of guys in their 40s and 50s, I got robbed by my promoter. But then I say, how much did you pay for the promotion they did for you? How much did you pay for the work they did in securing you sponsors? How much work, how much did you pay them for all of that stuff they did that they didn't bill you for? Well, that's not, that's, that's not the issue. No, no, that is the issue. Like, everything's an investment. So in the old days, you had a lot more of that. And I think people became jaded. Some people wanted to cut corners. So what, what you have now is less of that. And now kids are just throwing themselves out on social media in a really unfocused and non-strategic way. But what that does is it means that I know a lot of boxers from when they're like 15. There's no scarcity. I'm not really excited. So when they turn over, I'm like, well, well, I've kind of followed this journey. I'm not excited anymore. Because there's value in scarcity. We don't have stars because people are too accessible now. We can humanize them. They make mistakes on Twitter like Shannon Courtney. They say stupid things. Now, I'm not going to say it was a mistake. She said, she said something really stupid. You know, other people have done that. You know, I'm sure if you ask some promoters why they change their Twitter accounts, they'll tell you. There's stuff on the old Twitter account that they really don't want to be made public. The problem is they forgot the password. So that account's out there if you know who to look for. But all of this stuff is out there and it humanizes people. We've also become more tribal. We do not want to have stars. Anytime we see someone, we want to bring them down. So, because I get asked this question, who deserves to be a global star in boxing? I'm like the Charlo twins. You have twin brothers in two different weight classes, like just punching holes in people. They talk trash. They don't take backward steps. They're ready to go anytime, anywhere with anyone. They're, they're like Broner, but double. And they can really fight and they're consistent. Yet people don't want to get behind the Charlas. They should be the new breed of star. You know, Char the Charlos, Errol Spence, Tank, they, that whole group, they should be the stars that you're getting behind. But fans don't want to. I don't know why that is. I don't. I think one of my theories is some boxing fans believe they're more important than boxing. Oh, I've got 20,000 followers, so I'm more important than boxer X who has 12,000. You know, I've got more of a reach than he has, therefore I'm more important. No, you're a boxing fan. He is your content. He is what you consume. Yet a lot of fans refuse to accept that there are stars in the sport because they genuinely think they're just as important to the sport as boxers are. Yeah, crazy. But that's one of the reasons you don't see stars. The other reason for me is promoters are just trying to make money on that transactional basis. So when you talk to the small hall guys, the small hall guys are, I'm not making a loss on this show. Why, why would I want to make a loss on this show? I'm not going to do a show if it doesn't break even as a bare minimum. So what does that mean? It means you can't invest in people. You can't build stars. So if you go back to when... Steve Goodwin was saying he wanted Wadi Camacho to face Isaac Chamberlain. And I said this at the time. I said, Isaac's willing to do the fight. There's a number you've got to give Isaac. And if you give him that number, he'll fight Wadi. 
guess what? That number can't be generated in your call. So that fight was never serious. Steve was never serious about putting that fight on. Or he would have paid Isaac the 45 or 50K he was asking for. But shows don't make that much money. That's, that's just the harsh reality of it. So until you've got people prepared to take a loss in order to reap the rewards when they make world champion, you're not going to have that. But the problem you have is there's only probably three or four people in this country capable of that. And if you don't have one of those people, but you still want to be involved in boxing, you're basically nickel and diming it, as the Americans say. You're just trying to break even. So you're giving us that inferior product because there's no one we should really be getting behind. No small hall promoter has a world-level guy right now. None. So they can't give us stars. Not only can they not give us stars, they can't afford to give us 50-50 fights. They're too expensive to put on. So what's the point of small hall boxing? Apart from the social, you get to see a few mates and every so often you see a competitive fight more by accident than design. And so this is why you don't get stars in the small hall because the feeder system hasn't got the talent. It's why, as my friend Winnie said, why am I not excited about boxing? Because no one's investing in 50-50 fights. They're not worth it. They don't generate the money that some of these promoters want. So the only way you can do it is by making it pay-per-view. And I find that interesting because... We almost refuse to pay for boxing. So, uh, we pay my, I pay my Sky subscription. You pay your size, Sky I'll start again. You pay your Sky subscription to watch football. Yeah, that's it. That's your Sky Sports subscriptions to pay for. If Sky introduced a 10 quid a month uplift to say we want to pay for some decent boxing, no more pay-per-views, but we're going to put Sky Sports up by 750 or 10 quid, boxing fans would be up in arms. Even if Sky gave you the, the schedule of fights they were looking to put on, people would be up in arms. People don't want to pay for boxing. And when you don't want to pay for boxing, it's hard to make stars. And that's why, in 2022, the biggest fight you will see will be Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao, if Pacquiao can beat Spence. Even get a draw. The next biggest fight, Whatever Mike Tyson decides to do. The third biggest fight, whatever the YouTubers decide to do. And when you ask yourself how this has happened, boxing fans created this, promoters created this. And how do you fix it? I don't think you can until you boil down the number of promoters and broadcasters down to two in the UK, two in the United States. That's the harsh reality of it. And on that note, I'll say, have a great weekend, guys.